The age of NIL is killing college athletics across the board, or is it? Uh, see, I don't think that it's really hurting Baylor as much as other people may say. This is Locked on Baylor. You are Locked on Baylor, your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everybody, Drake Toll here from Sikkim365.com, joined today by Matt Isbear of Our Daily Bears. I tell you what, I promise you, when I tell you that a big guest is coming on, it's got to be, and one of the top three in Locked On Baylor history is with mm. us today, thanking everyone for making Locked On Baylor your first listen every single day when it's not our daily podcast. But Matt, I know that you have the perfect segue into today's conversation on the NIL and how it directly impacts Baylor. Well, it just kind of hit me like I'm I, I, I took about two weeks and change um, to to be with our newborn daughter. And I'm really enjoying the time. <clears throat> That's great. I'm taking two or three weeks to to be with our newborn daughter having a yeah. blast. It's great. You know, it's a lot of work. There's a lot of bottles to wash and give and diapers to change and the whole thing. But there's also also these magical moments right where she's laying on my chest and you know she's snoring peacefully she might stir awake and look me in my eyes and do that you know that cute baby reflex smile just as she grunts and poops her pants right on my chest and that's kind of how i feel uh the inside that's kind of how i feel the ncaa is acting right now with the whole nil situation uh, uh, they don't know what they're doing. They're kind of flailing around as people ask them for something. Uh, and then they try to provide something last minute that doesn't actually make any sense. So if you want an explanation for the folks that are listening right now on the NIL from an NCAA standpoint in perspective of a metaphor, Mark Emmert on Matt Isbear's chest and then just craps himself. That is yeah. basically the state of the current NIL in the NCAA. And Matt, what's weird you know, people talk about this thing that's called the Baylor bubble, uh, and it exists from about Baylor Avenue, nah, University Parks, from about University Parks, sure. and it ends at about 16th Street. That right there is your Baylor bubble stretching from I-35 to LaSalle. That's a beautiful depiction of the Baylor bubble. Yeah. Yeah, and it feels like everything outside, you ever watch the, was it Endgame, where there's that, the Baylor bubble, and then there's like, you know, people are, are shooting yeah. at it and stuff, and you know, exactly. all of the Marvel things, and whatever it is, Avengers, whichever it is, so, something like that. It feels like that's Baylor's protective dome over itself in NIL, as if like, right now, it, it's, it's this distant thing where you're like, oh yeah, I bet that's hurting some other people, but I feel fine. I, I think the status quo hasn't really changed nationwide. The storylines and the headlines have changed, but the schools that have a, a, a natural financial advantage still have a natural financial advantage. The schools that don't have a financial advantage still don't. It is just in a different format. I also think that Baylor, judging by the people who are running the main programs that are impacted by NIL right now, right? Dave Aranda, Scott Drew, Nikki Collin. I'm not sure that they're actually going out and trying to compete with the, the top of the top four stars and the top of the top five stars in all aspects, right? The, the kid that's coming out of high school that is expecting a six or seven figure NIL deal 
probably isn't coming to Baylor in the first place. And I think yeah. Scott Drew and Dave Aranda and Nikki Collin know that. Not to say that Baylor can't actually provide NIL opportunities. We just may not be interested in providing, uh, I'm going to say, for lack of a better term, a prima donna NIL deal to some of these top players, right? Not to say they aren't talented, not to say that they don't deserve it. They do. You are what you worth. You know, you're, right. you are worth what you are paid. Um, but I, I'm not sure it impacts Baylor for a number of different reasons. The, the Baylor bubble being one, just because Baylor being a private school, not going to be attractive to a lot of the top, top, top recruits, but also just because I don't know that those are the kids that these sports are going after to begin with. You know, we have a, a list of questions that we kind of ask ourselves our conversation across the board at Locked On. Basically, how does it affect the school? How does it affect the team? How does it affect your standing in the conference? And I feel like those questions are great for an Auburn, right? Or an sure. Alabama or a Florida State where they're looking at, okay, in comparison to the rest of the, of the, rest of the conference, but Baylor's an never Oregon. been. Yeah. And Oregon, right. Uh, Baylor's never been that school, though, that's like, we need to compare ourselves financially to the rest of this conference or from a student body stadium. How big's our campus? How big's our endowment? You know, what are we bringing in annually from an athletic standpoint? And to be the outlier, but still so successful at sports, it feels like Baylor's mixed in that, hey, we're the small Christian college in the middle of Waco, which it's not even that small anymore. But, you know, for you get it. It still feels like Baylor's trying to, to cover that mantra. But at the same time, Matt, like, at some point in time in our lives, money has to trump culture for most every athlete if the NIL continues the way it's going. Only if you let it. Only if you make that decision, right? That That's an active decision that these programs are going to have to make, right? At what point? You know what? I'll, I'll give props to our rivals in Austin, Texas, right? They decided at some point, the, the receiver that I think ended up going to Nebraska, the name escapes me. Yeah, million at some dollar point, kid. Now look, that they, they might have um, not actively decided that they weren't going to match that. They might not have had the ability to, but I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say that there was a cap on the number that they were willing to provide the kid. Yeah. At some point, schools are going to have to make decisions like that. And I think Baylor's just not going to play in the same pool of NIL deals, not Baylor, the, ac the academic institution, right? But right. but those providing those NIL deals. I'm, I'm just not sure that that's the, the wave pool that Baylor wants to play in anyway. Yeah. So it's out there should the opportunity present itself and the boosters want to do that. But I'm not sure that that's the natural playing ground for, for the Baylor boosters. Matt, one of the questions is burning my mind right now that I wish that I could give a take on. I, I can't. Like, I'm just going to throw it to you and and see what you got on expert opinion. Is that pool? You talk about Baylor's not really playing in that pool right now. What if the day comes where you have to play in that pool to have sustained success in college athletics as the NIL builds? Is that day on the horizon, or does Baylor just kind of count on? Hopefully, that day never comes. We never have to dip our toes in it. I'm trying to figure out why what Baylor is doing now yeah. wouldn't continue to work, right? Look out for the interest of the student, the student athlete, right? Make these the best people that you possibly can on the, on the field of play or court of play and in the classroom. And those kids will flock to you, right? There's people out there like Keontae George, right? I don't know what NIL opportunities he has in front of him right now, but they're not headlines right now. So if you're going to handle your business with NIL, you can do it, you know, less <laughs> as less noisy than than other schools are. Um, 
I, I, I just don't know that that has to be a decision Baylor has to make at this point, right? And again, the NCAA likely isn't going to look the same in three to five years. So why shell out a whole bunch of money right now before we know exactly what it's going to look like? If the NCAA can just drop brand new guidelines on a Monday, who's to say what happens three months from now or a year from now? Yeah. Now, uh, Matt, before we get into uh, into really the meat of the show in talking about Baylor's preseason ranking next year in football, I do want to want to close that chapter of <laughs> our entire chapter of Baylor NIL that we've hit in the last <laughs> seven and a half minutes on in general to me. It feels like the culture of Dave Aranda is I, I think it goes right along with what you're saying. He's never going to have a kid sit in his office, DJ Lagway and say, DJ, I promise you a million dollars if you come to Baylor. And there are schools that are doing that to DJ Lagway right now. Do I know for a fact? No, but I can only imagine Jimbo Fisher and Steve Sarkeesian are are pitching that kind of, hey, you know, that's in the recruiting pitch. And I, I don't think it's in Dave Aranda's. And I am wholly okay with that right now because even if it means you go eight and four perennially, I would rather be the team that's going eight and four and not paying their, their players a million dollars. But that's the thing. Other schools have been known a particular born orange school is known for individual hyped players yeah what good has that done you right there's individual talents on florida's team right now on on auburn right there's individual talents all over the sec and the pac-12 what does that get you though if if the entire team that's why football what whether or not it's my favorite sport or not you have to say that it is the ultimate team sport 22 players they all have to be doing the same thing. They all have to have the same uh, emotional investment into what you're doing. It is not just about one player and his skill. It is about what the other 10 players are doing at the at the same time. So if you want to invest all of your money and push all of your chips into the center of the table for one player, go for it. That's fine. It's not the way I would personally build my program. I don't think it's how Dave Aranda is going to build his program either. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Now, Matt, the next question that I that I really am... Oh, God, I don't even know if it's a question. It's more of a topic. CBS Sports 24-7 has released its preseason like way too early rankings as it does fairly consistently. And in their latest drop... 24-7 has labeled Baylor University as the number five school in the nation in college football going into next year's season. And I like at first I was like, damn straight. Yeah, that is us. Ugh. And now I'm like, no, no, this is the worst. I hate this. Baylor's never top five preseason. They're not going to be in the AP poll. What what is going on at 24-7 sports? <sighs> I'm trying to come up with a reason to disagree with this. <laughs> right. That's the I, worst I, part. I I don't know, outside of the massive powerhouses in the SEC, 
who are basically playing a different sport when it comes to, like we said, recruiting and and development and investment into the program. Is there a school that feels more solid than Baylor right now? Right. Um, You you look at the, the top, right? Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Oklahoma at four, which I'm, I'm not sure I agree with that at all. Um, and let me pause real quick. I'm looking at the correct list, right? Uh, May sure. 8th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That should do it. Okay. And and Oklahoma at four, which I, I don't agree with at all. Right. But Baylor at five feels right. I would take a Baylor. If I'm being as objective as possible, I would take a Baylor over Michigan. I would take a Baylor over Texas A&M, over Notre Dame, over Utah. I, I just don't see why Baylor would be lower than that. Great offensive line projections, great defensive line projections, awesome coordinators, steady head coach. Why couldn't this be the fifth best team in the nation? Yeah, I and maybe that is that is I'd write. I'm struggling to try to disagree with Baylor being in the top five. And I I think you have to go back to the idea that, you know, obviously I don't think Texas is going to even outrank Baylor in the AP poll, but those, those kind of schools, the ones that these people point to these national pundits point to and say, they're better than a Baylor or better than, you know, it's some years, your Iowa States that sneak in there. And right now at five, it's someone tweeted this out. They're like, this is the worst thing in the world. Cause I just want to, I want Baylor to have that underdog mentality going into next season and this kind of hype for a university that lost its star players think about this six guys in the nfl draft 11 guys total gone to the nfl and i was thinking about it yesterday right like if i was going to put okay podcasting world let's break the fourth wall here for everybody at home in the podcasting world there's something called seo you probably know what it is you go to youtube and you're you're trying to find those buzzwords are going to make people click on your podcast on your link whatever and i was thinking who are the seo players Back for Baylor next season, right? Because last year you had Terrell Bernard, Abram Smith, Treston Ebner, like Gary Bohannon, who, you know, obviously. Uh, and then you, you're Jalen Petries. I don't even know if I said Jalen Petrie. So now you, those guys are gone. You've lost your SEO players, as I want to call them. How can you be a, a top five team when really the heart of your program is pretty much gone? But Drake, those weren't SEO players before last season. To yes. the nation. To Uh-oh. us, of course. I like to, where you're going us, with this, Matt. Of course, right? But but why can't this success be sustained? What would come? What would, what usually disrupts a program who who reaches you know a top ten status? Right? It's oh well, they had a generational quarterback. Everything else stayed the same, but the quarterback stayed the same. Or right. they had a flash in the pan offensive coordinator. Right? That's usually kind of what happens when you see a, a, a spike in rankings for a particular smaller school. That's not the case here. This this program's built off of defense, line play, and smart coordination. Right? It, it's just it feels right. Drake, how many times over the last seven eight years has Baylor been like in the conversation for the playoff? Yeah. With all of us knowing that Baylor wouldn't make the playoff, but in the conversation for the top seven ish spots. On the ESPN graphic, when they show the top four, oh, well, the first couple out, one Baylor was amongst those. I, it makes complete sense to me. Have some faith. It's okay to be the hunted every once in a while, right? We went through this transition phase with the Scott Drew basketball program. This yeah. this went from an underdog program to now we have a target on our backs every single season, and we expect to moving forward. And when you have a steady hand 
on the wheel in a Dave Aranda or a Scott Drew, it usually turns out okay. Dave Aranda, good to surgeon, steady hand, the best. Exactly. And I, I guess, Matt, you're right. I should trust Dave Aranda and the Baylor Bears, number five in the nation, and not having the underdog mod. Well, one of the things, here's what here's maybe why I hate it. Remember Michigan State, or you know what? I could throw out so many of these freaking teams that kind of come out of the ashes out of nowhere, right? Matt Rule Baylor, okay? 11 sure. and one, transfers into two and seven. Granted, there was a ton of stuff. A ton of stuff that factored into that, right? You can't just say that without context, but there's so many schools that's like, wow, what a damn good year. And then the next year, it's like, whatever happened to them? You know, you're NC State or you're Wake, they'll have a flash in the pan and be gone. And it worries me that Baylor being at five next year is one of those is is one of those examples of, oh, top, top preseason top five, and then seven and five finish. Think of it this way. This is a reward for the type of program Dave Aranda is building. Not necessarily just because of the success last year, but because of the steadiness, right? And the way that this team is built. Uh, it, it is it, Baylor's not losing a generational quarterback. Love Gary, but it, we're not losing a generational quarterback. We're not losing generational skill position players, right? Looks like maybe the running back position might be more skilled, maybe equally as effective, but potentially more skilled, right? Defense has players to step up to at least replicate to some degree what this defense did last year. And it might look different, right? I, I trust this coaching staff to put the players in position to succeed, even if it looks different than last year, which is why I'm not terribly worried about losing six players, 11 players to the NFL. Matt, I'll say this to, to kind of put the nail on that topic in itself is that when I look down, up and down these, these 24-7 rankings that came out, one thing that I do see is Michigan State in their preseason rankings being put at that 16 spot. Granted, they beat Michigan last year, who beat Ohio State. The transitive property doesn't work in football, but that still takes you at least somewhere, right? And they're the same team that won a New Year's Six Bowl, and instead of being top 10, 24-7 has put them at 16. Baylor, on the other hand, in a very similar boat, winning the conference, though, and winning a New Year's Six Bowl has been put at number five. So it looks like this wasn't just a blind Baylor was good last year. Let's throw them up there as well. And maybe they're getting the national respect they deserve. But the next thing that I want to get to, uh, Matt, to end it off, conference championship games. It was announced really today or in the last 24 hours that uh, they could end up going away very soon. The ACC is looking at filtering theirs out and different conferences are seeing options for rescheduling or new schedules for their conferences. But first, before we get to that, Matt, I want to tell you, and everyone at home about BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all things sports betting. Throughout the NBA playoffs right now, the MLB as well, I myself, I'll say it, I did it. I went and put a bet on first inning no score, yeah, for the game between the Rays and the Angels last night, and guess what? They didn't score in the first inning, the Rays or the Angels, and it hit at BetOnline.net. If you go today, you can also see the preseason top 10 because there are only 10, in the Big 12 next year, and their odds to win the conference. You'll be surprised to see where Baylor is, and it'll be a conversation we hit later this week. But at Bet Online, you can bet on the Baylor Bears to win the Big 12 at really solid odds. So MLB, NBA, you have a uh, fight season going on as well. BetOnline.net for your live betting, your esports, everything gaming, all of it at BetOnline.net, where the game starts. Go to BetOnline.net. Now, Matt, I... Uh, <clears throat> 
I really right now have been paying attention to to other conferences and the shakeup in college football and how it could transition into the Big 12, especially with 14 teams coming. And it seems like the death of the conference championship game is almost eminent now in, in the Power Five as the ACC really explores cutting theirs out and other conferences will certainly follow suit. I, I'm going to cast a wide net here. Is that good? Is that bad? What on earth is going on? What, what, like, where does it even – why would you even want to cut it out? Well, let's say that you are a non-SEC power conference okay. and you have one dominant team, say a USC or an Ohio State or a Clemson or – I'm going to sneak this in here – a Baylor. Thank you. Why would you give that team an extra opportunity to lose, potentially preventing that team from getting a playoff spot? Right. That's that's the goal here. I, th I think if you are a conference commissioner, that's the benefit. Right now, when not if when the playoff goes to eight teams, I think this has a similar but slightly lessened effect. Right. If you have a borderline seven or eight seed team that's going into a conference championship game with a team that's already pretty solidified in one of those top five, six spots, don't give an op don't give them an opportunity to knock both teams out potentially, right? Um, I you know from a personal perspective, I like the conference championship game. Obviously, yeah. we're all feeling everybody in the Baylor fandom feeling pretty good about conference championship games recently. Yes. But I would be okay putting more of an emphasis on your body of work during the regular season uh, and, and really proving out who the champion is that way. Now, didn't work out great for us in 2015. I understand that. However, dot, 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 I think it's going to work out okay moving forward. I, I agree the... It really, it's going to emphasize the full body work. It's going to put even more emphasis too on the regular season, which I've always hated the idea that like, oh, an expanded playoffs going to uh, going to ruin the regular season. What I think no. ruins the regular season is teams that have two losses. Right? If you go, let's say you're okay for wild example, let's go Oregon. Right? This is just a, a wild example. Oregon's usually somewhere around the top ten or playoff conversation sure. with the Pac-12 if anybody is. And you play in your first five games, you play. USC on an up year and you play, we'll say, uh, Ohio State, right? And you're three and two. You're automatically out of the playoff. I, I just don't, don't think. Don't right, lose two games. Yes, but then the rest <laughs> of the regular season just doesn't matter. I think it, it doesn't dilute the regular season necessarily. Have, have a better scheduling system in your conference. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 a lot of it boils down to you just have to think of these things in the offseason if you're a conference. Right. If you're a conference commissioner, if you're a scheduling department, um, you, you have to take these things into consideration. Right. Uh, it was it, you know, I, I, it's not an accident. The SEC schedules the way they do sometimes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I think if your goal as a conference is to get a team into the playoff with, you know, the current four team structure, this is a safer way to play that. Yeah. Right. If, if you know you're going to have at least one dominant team protect that team a little bit, right? It feels gross. I don't like it, right? I'd rather just have 64 football teams playing in a bracket and whoever Mike wins Leach the merit oh, exactly. Yeah. Just just the meritocracy, right? Right. If if you're the best, then you'll win the games. Um that's the way I would prefer to do it. 
I understand why a conference would remove their championship game, even though it's less fun. It's much less fun for me and the average college football viewer that enjoys conference championship weekend because it brings such great games a la Baylor and Oklahoma State last year. And I think to that point, too, granted, if I'm on the Oklahoma State side of this conversation, if I am locked on Oklahoma State Cowboys, I'm probably saying damn straight, you know, take it away. Take it away. Absolutely. Because Oklahoma State's Big 12 champions last year and they get to hang that in their field house. But instead, Baylor now has that put up on the Simpson hires, whatever you want to call it. It has like seven names now. And uh, it's time for some perspective. I'm sorry, but it's time for some perspective. Baylor was less than a yard away from being on that side of the conversation. And we have to think about it that way sometimes. Sometimes games are one <laughs> by less than a yard. And in the case of this conference championship game, right, that nobody was discounting the season Oklahoma State had. Baylor yeah. fans know how good they were. The Big 12 knows how good they were. But nationally, it, it's it's a little different. I I, I it, it sucks. I don't I don't like it, but I understand it. Yeah. Well, it, it, with this being filtered out too, you look at the Big 12 schedule and what that's going to look like. Because I'm trying to think in terms of a 10 league team and 10 team league. And that's just not what it's going to be because the Big 12 may see as many as 14 teams across the board. And then 12, obviously, when the four new teams move in and the other two will move out. And at, at that point, with 12 teams, your scheduling is going to be so key. And, it, and even in that, does the death of a conference championship game mean the death of divisions? And that scheduling is then just put out together. Uh, well, let's try it again. Good now. <clears throat> Can't hear you. Uh, yeah, well, there we go. Now I can hear All you. right. All right. Does the death of a conference championship game mean the death of divisions and mean the life of these conferences becoming ever more meticulous in how they schedule out their seasons? Bring me the pods. Bring <laughs> me the pods. Yeah, it probably uh, lessens the impact of a division structure, which I'm okay with, right? Keep your rivals, but then go play the rest of the teams in the conference. If your conference is too big where you can't play everybody in one season, rotate it. I don't know, like a pod structure, something like that. Um, I'm very pro pod if you you haven't out. Um, Push and pod. How about that for for timely news? Um, Yes. So, yeah, I, I think divisions probably go away uh, in, wow. in most scenarios, um, but it is what it is, right? Like I said, hey, it goes all the way back to the NIL conversation we had. This sport is going to change in a lot of ways that people don't like in the next four or five years. If we, if we truly want this to be fair slash equal slash whatever your definition of those two words are for as many teams as possible for as many players as possible, there's going to be some uncomfortable change and that's okay. We're still going to watch football. Football is not going away. The the organization around it just might change and you can still support your team. You can still take joy in the success your team has. How, however you scale that, whether it be on a week to week basis or on a season basis, still going to be fun. Matt, last question on the topic of of these. Let's get let's get pod. Let's let's just let's go pod here. Let's go pods. Let's go pods. Even if there's not pods, just whatever happens in this, if the conference championship game goes away, pods or no pods, divisions, no divisions. Does this inherently hurt 
a Baylor more than it hurts at Oklahoma State? Does it help a Baylor more than it helps an Iowa State or a Texas? Or does it hurt more than it does in Oklahoma? Does it put Baylor at an advantage or disadvantage over anybody in any way? Or are you all just kind of fending in the same boat? I, I, I think everybody's still for the most part, right? You might have some scheduling quirks with some conferences, right? And we'd have to see exactly how they play out. But knowing what we know now, I don't think it changes much, right? You schedule the best schedule that you possibly can and you beat those teams and the rest takes care of itself. That's how the system should work. And if it works that way, I'm fine with it. I love it. Matt, if the people out there, I'd be so surprised if they have it. If the people out there have not heard of your stuff, or haven't found your stuff somehow, A, they're under a rock, but B, they need to know where to go. Where do they go? Hey, it's a very specific life choice. This is what I tell everybody. Hey, but disclaimer, very specific life choice. If you want to follow me, it's Matt is bear on Twitter. Um, go follow between two bears uh, on Twitter as well. We're, we're trying to get back into a regular cadence. Now that I'm coming back uh, from uh, baby break. It's not really a break. Don't let my wife hear that. Um, uh, but yeah, those are, those would be the best places. And uh, my co-host, Evan Aber. Uh, and of course, go check out OurDailyBears.com. Um, and we're, uh, we're going to be doing some fun stuff over the summer. Maybe some, uh, hey, if you're kind of new to football, learn more about football in this very football for dummies kind of way, respectfully. Respectfully. I love it. <laughs> Matt, for, yeah, for you, for everybody, you beat that bad boy. I just hey, died. <laughs> beat that bad boy. Hey, beat that bad boy. I had to throw that back out there before we uh, before we left today for a little a uh, little callback, you know, from earlier. Uh, and tell everyone also that tomorrow's show is covering with John Garcia Jr., the director of recruiting at Sports Illustrated, the difference in the Big Twelve nice. and the SEC. What sets those two conferences apart? It is that gap closing or widening but i want to thank you for making locked on baylor your first listen make your second listen locked on big 12 josh neighbors in a half hour less gives you all you need to know about the big 12 concise entertaining locked on big 12 wherever you get your podcast matt thanks so much for coming on let's do it again soon hey sick him drake sick him and thank you all for making locked on baylor your first listen and this has been <laughs> locked on baylor